0: what's up everybody? This is Dr. O with another episode of The Finance Doctor. And today, we're going to talk about marriage. Yes, marriage. Is it all about love or is it an economic decision? Now, before I get started, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack about this one, but I just want you to have a little bit of food for thought. That's all. I'm just playing my part. So, is it all love or is it also an economic decision now I'm not saying take love out of the equation I'm not saying that by any means however let's look at some of the facts so I always hear people say I am so in love I'm so in love with this dude only two years later they're not anymore what happened what happened to those people that were so in love you know and I'm not saying that love is a bad thing love is beautiful but what happens when when love ain't there anymore or when you fall out of love and when you get past the honeymoon phase, as they call it, what happens? So let's look at the top six. I don't know. I just chose six. Let's look at the top six causes of divorce. Number one. Number one and two kind of interchange a lot. You have money and infidelity. Infidelity is an obvious one, but money is either one or two. It alternates just based on who you talk to and what region you're in. Money and infidelity are your top two reasons. Number three, lack of communication. Number four, constant arguing. Number five, weight gain. And number six, unrealistic expectations. So I'm going to take a second to let that sink in. So you got money, infidelity, communication, constant arguing, weight gain, and unrealistic expectations. So, just take a second and hear me out here. Just take a second and think about this economically. Number one, money. Infidelity isn't going to change, but let's look at number three. The lack of communication about money. Number four, constant arguing about money. Number five, weight gain (laughs) because you don't have any money. Or you're stressed about money. Number six. Unrealistic expectations about money. Yes, I added money to the end of every one of those. Just to drive home the point that, yes, your economic standing and your economic knowledge goes a long way even when you're in marriage. Because you can add that to the end of those because it happens. People don't like to communicate about money. People argue about money. And let me rewind. Couples. Married couples don't like to communicate about money married couples argue about money couples gain weight because they're stressed about money or lose it couples have unrealistic expectations about money so let's look a little bit deeper into this this the relationships and money you know I I always find it strange that I have arguments with people That I'm not even in a relationship with about finances. I sit and argue like we are married about someone else's finances that have nothing to do with me. Why is that? Because I cannot seem to get them to understand or to value money the way that I do. And so we argue about it. We argue and I'm not even in a relationship with the person. They might just be a client. And we sitting up arguing for 30 minutes about... Money And about the fact that they don't value money the same way that I value it. They don't take care of their money the way that I think they should. They don't take care of their money the way that any sane individual should. So let's look at a couple of scenarios. And by a couple, I mean about four scenarios that I've seen personally and that may or may not touch home with listeners. Now, I'll give you a little disclaimer don't get into an argument because you're side-eyeing your spouse as I'm going through these. Please don't, because I don't want you to blame me for this argument that you might that, that could be prevented. All right, scenario number one, and I'm going to look at this from the perspective of the individual. Let's say, and I'll, I'll say I, so no one feels like I'm pointing fingers at anybody that's listening. So, let's say I'm a poor person, I marry a rich person, however... Because I've been poor or impoverished my entire life, I still have poor and impoverished spending habits and mentalities. What do you guys think will happen? Think about it for a second. If if I'm poor, you're rich, we get together. Now, all of a sudden, I'm rich too. But I still have poor spending habits. I have poor savings habits. Just anything related to money is just poor with me. Well, I'm suddenly wealthy, and I have this poor mentality this poor mindset so now I've become a dead weight because what am I bringing to the table other than things that are cosmetic what am I bringing to the table other than yeah you love me but I might end up spending all your money (laughs) yeah you love me but I've been poor my whole life and now we're married and I can go afford the things that I never could afford My, my mom is still around my parents are still around I can go buy them the things that they could never afford because now I've come into this wealth that I don't have to really work too hard for because it's yours. You've earned it, not me. So, scenario number two. Let's say you're a hard worker. You're super independent and you always have been since forever as long as you can remember. You're an independent, hard-working individual. Your spouse or your potential spouse has been dependent on mommy and daddy their whole lives. Again, this is not to bash anybody's social or economic situations. This is just to bring light to, you know, bring awareness to your situation and bring awareness to understanding how finances play into your marriage, how finances play into any relationship and it can't just be based on love. So back to scenario number two, you're a hard worker, you're an independent person. Your spouse has been dependent on mommy and daddy their whole lives. You guys get married. Now, guess what? They're dependent on you now. They're your problem, as their parents will probably joke and tell you, oh, he or she is your problem now. You got it. You got money. You take care of them now. This person doesn't know how to be independent. So if you don't have the patience, if you don't understand why they act the way that they do, it's going to get on your nerves. Now you feel used. A strain has been created in your marriage because you didn't understand what kind of situation your spouse came from. You're now daddy or mommy for them because you're taking care of this dependent person that you never knew was that dependent until you guys tied the knot. So one of the things that we talked about with the leading causes of divorce was unrealistic expectation to them. To your spouse, it may seem unrealistic to ask them to bear some of the financial burdens or bear some of the financial responsibilities. Because if they've been dependent their whole lives and now you're married and you say, hey, now uh, we sharing these bills, they might look at you and say that is unrealistic and you are crazy. Whereas you think it's unrealistic expectations for you to take care of them you guys didn't discuss this beforehand so now it becomes a strain on your marriage it becomes a strain in your relationship because you guys didn't talk about it you just talked about love yeah we we love each other we can't live without each other we are so in love now again love is not a bad thing but it should not be the only fact so let's look at another scenario just in case y'all don't believe me. so scenario number three you come into a relationship and y'all sit down and y'all have a conversation and you say hey I hope to retire when I'm 55 your spouse or your significant other whatever they might be at the time of this conversation has been programmed to work for the rest of their lives and that this is normal they seen mama do it they seen grandma and grandpa do it so they think it's normal to work until you die you try to convince your spouse or significant other and you try to change them quote unquote almost always and I, I talk to people all the time it creates tension Because somebody's like, oh, I was like this when you met me, so why do you expect me to change? Well, you should have had a better understanding of how one of the others is thinking. If money is valued in that way to you, maybe you should have had this conversation before you guys tie the knot. Hey, how do you view money? Do you ever want to retire? What's your plan? Like, these are conversations that are worth having. So, I'll give you one more example, just, just to drive home the point. Scenario number four. And again, disclaimer, don't go side-eyeing your spouse while you listen to this because you might get a divorce for another reason. But scenario number four, you're the primary breadwinner. You make significantly more than your spouse. Your spouse feels inferior and not equal. I'll read that again. You're the primary breadwinner. Your salary is a lot bigger than theirs. And now they feel insignificant. They feel inferior and they don't feel like you're equal. Is this a conversation that should have happened before marriage? Absolutely. Absolutely find out if having a bigger salary is important to a person, you should know that up front. You should know, hey, this person values, hey, they're bringing just as much to the table as I am. And if not, you got to figure out a way to bridge that and to have a happy medium there. Not saying go and take a pay cut. That would be ridiculous and irresponsible of me to say, But understand your spouse and understand how to alleviate those situations as opposed to, yeah, we're so in love and we're blinded by love that we don't have these conversations. So where does that lead me after these these different scenarios? The four scenarios. I hope you wrote them down or remembered key points from them because they are real scenarios. For some reason, I've become, you know, I I have a finance background and for some reason, I've become people, psychologist, psychiatrist, counselor, all that. And they, you know, they, they tend to come talk to me about everything. So these are real scenarios. These are things that have happened and that people have come to vent and, and tell me about. They've happened and they happen every day, unfortunately. So where does that lead us? Do your homework. I'll repeat it again. Do your homework. And it's not too late to do it after you're married either. But it's, it's always an easier conversation beforehand to talk about your finances have conversations about money all too often we'll sit here and say well i don't want to talk about that that's personal um hello you're married now you're going you plan on marrying this person nothing should be too personal for you to talk to your spouse about or your significant other that you say you love if you're in love with this person nothing should be too personal for y'all to talk about especially money it's a necessary topic for you and your spouse or significant other the person you're in love with is necessary for you guys to discuss so i'll i'll even help you out get out your pens and paper and I'll, i'll help you out when it comes to having these tough conversations so point number one how important is money or the lack thereof to you so the second point of having that conversation is what does financial freedom look like to you What does financial freedom look like to me? It's an easy conversation to have. The question might not be that easy to answer, but sit down and you guys truly dig deep and think about it. What does financial freedom look like to me? Is financial freedom, you know, having a nice house, having a nice car? Is financial freedom being able to travel every month or travel every summer? Is financial freedom being able to buy your kids everything they want and need? what is financial freedom to you and what is financial freedom to me you guys have to have that conversation because if you don't it's going to lead to arguments in the future it's going to lead to oh wait you want to do what because a lot of people they're not married or they don't have kids when they first get married okay so when they start to have kids they they you know one spouse might say oh i want to spend all my money on the kids I want to make sure that the kids go to private school, do X, Y, Z, go to all these summer camps. And the other spouse might be like, hold on, wait a minute. That ain't my plan for the kids. They can sit at home. They can go outside and play in this backyard that we have. But what does financial freedom look like to you? Is it taking those summer vacations? Is it, hey, we can sit at home every afternoon if we want to. We can sit at home all summer if we want to. What does it look like to you? And what does it look like to the person that you're in love with? Number three. What type of financial life would you like to lead? There's always, 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 always going to be somebody in your circle that likes to keep up with the Joneses. To them, that's making it. That's the financial life they want to have. They want to, if if Susie goes and buys a, a, a new Ford Taurus, and it's not even a high-end car, guess what? you as the, the, the husband or the other spouse might have to go buy that same car and get all the bells and whistles in it because your spouse wants to keep up with the Joneses now. But understanding ahead of time what type of financial life would each of you like to lead and having that conversation and understanding where everybody's going to stand now and in the future. If you plan to have kids, definitely factor that into each of these questions. And number four, at what age do you want to retire? Back in our previous scenario, um, one of the spouses may not have ever wanted to retire. It may come down to, hey, I don't care about retirement. I don't don't want to sit at home every day, you know, not really understanding what retirement is. They might figure they don't want to retire. They like going to an office every day. You might want to retire and travel the world 24-7, 365. But if your spouse doesn't want to do that, are you going to just go alone? I can guarantee you that's going to cause some problems that you're always gone and they're taking care of home and you're never there. You're out living your life, living your best life, and they're at home going to work every day. Even though they said they wanted to, it could cause some tension at home because you guys didn't understand, hey, I want to retire eventually. Hey, I don't. Okay, let's find either find a happy medium or part ways. Figure out something where it's not creating a strain 30 years into your relationship when you're like, well, crap, I don't want to start dating again because I'm ready to retire and and my spouse never wants to retire again. I'm too old to start dating again. So figure it out as early as possible. Have that conversation and figure out, what each of you wants to do, what each of you wants out of life. And for those that just joined and for those that didn't really get to hear those points or that just want those points driven home again, I'll give them to you again because they're that important. Number one, how important is money or the lack thereof to you? How important is money or the lack thereof to your significant other? Number two, what does financial freedom look like to you? And what does financial freedom look like to the person you're in love with? And I'm going to keep using that L word simply because I want to drive home that point that sometimes love just isn't enough. You have to have these tough conversations to make sure that you're setting both of you up for success. You're setting your children and future generations and everybody that has to deal with you. You're setting everybody up for success. So number three, what type of financial life would you like to lead? And also... What type of financial life would your significant other, the person you're in love with, what type of financial life would they like to lead? And number four, at what age do you, at what age does your significant other want to retire? And I'll even take it a a step further and challenge you. Once you guys have this conversation, write it down, memorize it. Memorize your, your significant other. Memorize your spouse's answers to these questions because it will make your life so much easier. It'll make your life so much easier and one less argument you have to have. There's too much to worry about to be sitting here stressed and fighting about your finances. But if you take the necessary steps early on, be proactive and look at these questions, understand these questions, it'll help you understand your significant other a lot better. Because if money is objective to them and it's subjective to you, y'all are not going to see eye to eye when it comes to money and spending and banking and saving. You just won't see eye to eye because you're not on the same level. You're not on the same page. You don't understand money the same way. So write those questions down. Ask your spouse, your significant other, the person you love, the person you plan to marry, the person you've already been married to, the person you're married to for 30 years or so. Ask them. It's never too late to ask those questions and tell them, hey, let's, let's approach this conversation with an open mind, understanding that, no, I'm not trying to bash you or your spending habits or anything like that. I'm trying to better understand you so I can better our our financial picture, so I can better our economic outcome in the end. And, and, you know, eliminate one argument that we might have. Eliminate that completely. And it might lead to several arguments, but by eliminating it, you you can focus on other stuff. You know, because, again, there's too much to be worried about to have to argue and fuss and fight over some finances. It's just an easy topic. Now, for those Bible scholars of you that's listening in... The Bible talks about being unequally yoked. Now, we look at this from every other aspect, but money. Why? Why? If, if we're going to quote the Bible, and we're going to stick to the Bible, then it should, it should apply across the board. So, if we're talking about being unequally yoked, how can it work if your goals are not aligned? In some way, form, shape, or fashion, how can it work if they're not aligned? at all. If I want to retire and you know if I tell my spouse, if I'm married and tell my spouse, "Hey, I want to retire at 35." And my spouse is like, "Uh, I want to work till I'm 65." Um there's a that's a huge gap. And we're going to have to figure out how our goals can align so that we can be able to go together and not be unequally yoked. How can it work if your finances aren't discussed and properly planned? I'll ask again. How can it work if your finances are not discussed and properly planned for proactively? Proactive is the biggest key here is that you're doing this proactively. But if you haven't, that's fine. You can still sit down and have these conversations with your current spouse so that they don't become your ex-spouse over some finances. So... Also, for those Bible scholars, they they like to talk about loving money, and it's the root of all evil. So I like to look at it as this: the lack of understanding of money, or the lack of financial literacy, is the root of most divorces. Yep, I said it. So the lack of understanding money, yeah, at least the divorces, at least a lot of arguments that don't have to be had because if you have these conversations up front, you won't have those fights. You'll have fewer fights. Or at least not as many fights about money. Because y'all understand where the other person is coming from. If I've come from wealth my whole life and my spouse didn't. I have to understand that our mindsets are going to be a little bit different. We were raised differently. I've always had everything. She, she He or she might not have had everything growing up. So of course the way we think about money and the way we think about economics is not going to be the same. So I, st- I hope you still have that pen and paper handy. So, what's the game plan? Where do we go from here? What do we need to take away from this talk? What do we need to go back and do when we get home? Or if you're sitting at home, what do we need to sit down and do as soon as possible? Number one, learn your partner before getting in bed with them. Literally. Literally. Learn about them. Learn who they are. Learn what makes them tick. Learn what their economic situation was before y'all met. Because, for lack of a better terms, you might be a come-up for them. Just being real. You might be a come-up for this person that's been in the hood their whole lives. And that might be all they see you as. You know, and you're all in love. Because you're blinded by love. You don't see that. You don't understand them. And they're just using you as a come-up and a way to get out of the hood. Unfortunately. So, learn your partner before getting in bed with them. Number two. The next few things I'm going to give you should all be done together, as a unit, as partners. And there's a reason that counselors use this business term when they're speaking to couples. They tell them they're partners. You're a partnership. And my brother told me, he got onto me one day, and I laugh about it now because, you know, we were having a conversation about relationships, and he said, my brother likes to take notes. It's kind of it's kind of obnoxious, but he likes to take notes. He said during this conversation, you said the word partner or partnership or some deviation of the word forty six times. I said, "Are you kidding me? Are you really sitting here writing this down?" And he actually was. I said, "Yes, I use that term a lot. One, because I'm a business major. Two, because in a relationship, you're equals. You are. It is a partnership. You are supposed. One is supposed to help the other. And if one fails, we all fail. If one is thriving." We're all thriving. So these next few points, you need to be um, doing those together with your spouse. You need to do them as a unit, as a partnership. So number one, create an agreeable budget prior to tying the knot. Simple enough, but a lot of people aren't going to do it. A lot of people hate doing it. Um, There's always, as Dave Ramsey says, there's always a spouse that is, one is very structured and there's a free spirit. Not saying take away their free spirit, but if they say, hey, you handle the money, you take care of it, that's agreeing to a budget. That's saying, hey, you, if, if I trust you with our money, I trust you to create a budget, I trust you as our, our fiscal officer in the house. By all means, that's coming to an agreement. That's saying, hey, understanding that you won't, you might not be able to buy those shoes this month because your our budget says X, Y, Z. If I tell you that, you have to understand and you have to be open to me saying no if you're allowing me to be the fiscal officer of the house um as opposed to us doing it together there's no right or wrong way there but come to an agreement and look at that budget and understand that there is a budget in place number two protect your assets together what's mine is yours they say it all the time and in most states marriage makes everything shared anyway um I always hear people talk about these prenups and there's mixed emotions about them. I personally think they're necessary, you know? They're not a bet that you will fail, as the old folks used to tell us all the time. Oh, no, we don't believe in that. That's betting on your marriage failing. No, it's protecting yourself. And it's saying, it's outlining, hey, this is what we're going to do with the assets if anything did happen. To me, it's a very smart and necessary step because you never know. Life happens, you know, where you need to have those things in place that say this is what's going to happen, this is what you came with or this is what we're both going to leave with amicably. It cuts down on a lot of flack if things go, you know, south. It cuts down on a lot of it. So have those prenuptials. Have the, you know, sit down and talk about your assets, what you have, what you are bring to the table, don't hide anything. Don't have those secret bank accounts overseas. And then you die and your spouse finds out, oh crap, this dude has you know these offshore accounts and now I don't know how to get to. Don't let that be a conversation that's had after you're gone or when things hit the fan. Have those conversations up front. Number three, you want to know how to reduce a lot of future arguments? Prepare for rainy days. Best piece of advice you'll get all year, prepare for a rainy day. Because guess what? Just like you look at the forecast and you can guarantee there's going to be at least one rainy day in a year, is going to happen in your life. So to cut down on those arguments in the future, prepare. Be prepared for those rainy days, be prepared for things to hit the fan financially and and prepare yourselves accordingly. Make sure you have, you know, a nice little nest egg tucked away where If, you know, God forbid, your house burned down and the insurance doesn't want to pay, you say, "Okay, no problem. We got a little money here. We can sustain our standard of living. We can live. We can buy food. We can stay wherever we need to stay. We can get more clothing up until the insurance pays or pay for whatever they don't pay because you prepared for that rainy day. Number four, your debt is his or her debt, too. I'll repeat it. Your debt is his or her debt, too. When you're married, it's all yours. Y'all own it together. So erase it together. You know, know that up front. So if I'm getting into a marriage and my, my potential spouse says, oh, by the way, we're at the altar. And they say, oh, by the way, I got $200,000 in debt. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to run away. I'm running. I'm taking off. I'm going to be like, y'all can keep that deposit for the whatever wedding. Right? Y'all keep all the liquor, whatever you want to do. But if I knew up front, it's a different story because we're going to erase that together. We're going to do it before we get married so that you know, we're not sharing this this astronomical amount of debt and there's no surprises in the future because we're building our economic empire together. We're building our financial empire together. Her debt is now my debt and we're going to get rid of it because I don't like debt. So we're going to get rid of it together if I'm in love with this person and, and say I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. And last but not least, retire comfortably and ride off into the sunset. Again, retirement for some people looks like Okay, I want to go be a greeter at Walmart now. While retirement for others might be, hey, I'm gonna sit at home and drink lemonade every day, or I'm gonna travel the world, I'm gonna ride on a cruise, I'm gonna go on 30-day cruises every other month. So understanding what retirement looks like, but retire comfortably and ride off into the sunset together. So, lastly, for for those of you that still don't believe me and don't believe that economics and finances and business are involved in in marriage you think you know it's not a business decision try calling yourself married without a license there are some states that allow it but you can't do it across the board just like you can't drive without a license you can't walk up somewhere and say i'm married without a license so were you all aware that if married your spouse has to sign off to if you want to list someone else to receive your life insurance or will so, yeah, it's definitely a business decision. Anytime you got to sign something, that's a business transaction. So if my spouse has to sign off and say, oh, he has my permission not to list me as his his executor, he has my permission not to list me as his beneficiary, um, it's definitely a business decision. And you want to make sure that you're equally yoked with this person because they might not have your best interest at heart if you're not. They might not care. They might say, "Oh well, shoot, I'ma splurge all oh, this when when this dude dies. I'ma take all that money and go buy everything that he would never buy me." And the kids ain't getting nothing. He, I know he wanted to leave some to his parents. They ain't getting nothing. I'm a, I'm entitled to all this. So without having those proper conversations and understanding that it is a business transaction because you have a license, you're signing off on it. You're you're not just in love at this point. You're making a business transaction, and you wouldn't go to Walmart and just pick up the next thing. Well. Some of you would just go and grab stuff and go and swipe your card. But most people aren't going to just go grab anything at Walmart, scan it, and swipe their card. They're going to take something, some type of thought process and think about, hey, do I need this? Do I want it really? And probably not. Uh, It's too high. I don't like the price on it. So why not think of those things when you're getting married? It's a business transaction. Dot your I's, cross your T's, because we can be blinded by love rather than... Looking at the economics as well as love. Nothing wrong with love. Love is necessary, but also looking at the economics of it and how finances play a a big portion into that. So I said all this to say, make sure whomever you decide to marry is on the same page as you. And I'm speaking of economics and finance at this point. Yes, we're in love, but are we on the same page? Do we see eye to eye when it comes to how we raise our children? Do we see eye to eye about whether we need a bank account do we see eye to eye about retirement make sure you guys are on the same page number two make sure that prior to marriage these conversations about money are had hey i don't care about money oh well i do okay well that's going to lead to a future argument so where can we find a happy medium or are we even meant to be together you know because yes we're in love but economically this might not be sustainable and number three make sure that y'all work on a common goal in your finances or someone will be unhappy so if I'm at home taking notes or needed to write down some main points what should I write Dr. O I'm glad y'all asked so get ready I'm gonna give you five main points to take home with you and to keep with you put it under your pillow put it in your drawer put it on the refrigerator put it somewhere where you know you are gonna see it every day number one Yes, love is important. Because I know some of you are like, man, this dude don't believe in love, man. He's over here bashing love, talking much you don't need love. No. Love is important. It's an integral part of any relationship. It's important. But being on the same page about finances and your economics and your future is equally as important. Your finances are equally as important as love. Because when the love starts to wane later on, you know, Everybody likes to say, yeah, we're still in love as in love as we were on day one. That's a lie. You know, you get past the honeymoon phase. Yes, you're still in love, but your finances are going to last forever. They're going to last a long time. After you die, something financial is going to come up. They're going to come to you at the funeral home and say, well, you want to put flowers on that grave? That's an additional 250 You know, you oh, you want a tombstone? That's another $1,000. So your finances are going to follow you up until you die. So you might as well get those in order up front. Number two, know each other and know one another's backgrounds. Know where your spouse or your significant other, the person you're in love with, know where they came from. Know their economics. Go visit. See where their parents live. Because, again, for, for some of you, you you know, your spouse might be a come up for you. You know, if mom and dad are living in the projects and struggling, your spouse is making a lot of money. Hey, now mom doesn't have to live in the projects anymore because My husband or wife can take care of me and mom. So know each other and know one another's backgrounds. Number three, talk about money. What it means to each of you, how much you want to have, when you want to retire, etc., etc. Anything else you can think of relating to money, talk about it. Talk about it openly. Don't sit there and text about it or talk over the phone. Sit face to face and talk about it. Read each other's facial expressions, body language, all that. Number four refrain from being condescending during these talks because i know some of you out there listening gonna go home and sit up there and be like man see i I told you you weren't doing nothing around here like no don't do that refrain from being condescending you know at the end of the day you're in love with this person so have these conversations with love talk through love to this person that you're in love with and not condescend them and number five consider all factors before you get married like, think about everything. Don't just think, hey, we're in love, we got to get married. Because I've seen it. Oh, we've been dating two weeks, we're engaged. What? No. You don't know anything about that person. So consider all factors before you tie that knot. That's it for this episode of The Finance Doctor with Dr. O, only on the Too Smart Network. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Clement O. That's at D R C L E M E N T O. Until next time, peace out, everybody.